Welcome everyone to the sixth episode of Best of the West, where we cover the NFC West division of the NFL. My name is Kenji Ito, and I am here alongside my partner, Jake Brown. Hello. For a recap of the NFC West in Week 11, the 9-2 Arizona Cardinals won against the Seattle Seahawks 23-13, the 7-3 Los Angeles Rams were on bye last week, and the 5-5 San Francisco 49ers won against the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-10. So now let's move into the opinions, uh, news and opinions section where we will first start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, first news is that uh, the Arizona Cardinals picked up a goat for one of the memes, Trace McSorley. Oh my god! And Jake, even though he might not ever get playing time, what do you think about this uh, Well, signing? I mean, it's Trace McSorley. So, I mean, he is the god. He is the greatest QB to ever live. And the fact that he is not going to start over Kyler Murray is a crime. I think it is indeed as well. Um, Trace McSorley was a GOAT at Penn State, and uh, he got his career wasted in Baltimore, and now that he's in uh, Arizona, I think he might have a chance. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kyler Murray, who knows when he's coming back. So, yeah. uh, I mean, Colt McCoy's been doing well. To let, like, Let's be honest, Colt McCoy has been a very good, um, very good replacement. Not replacement, but... Fill in for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, Trace McSorley still might not get playing time. Yeah, but um, just uh, for some real news now, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray are projected to come back for their game against the Bears after their upcoming bye week. What do you think about this whole situation? You know what? I think this is going to be very good for their um, passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week against the Seahawks, uh, Colt McCoy was mostly throwing checkdowns mm-hmm. uh, to AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz, and with Kyler Murray, you're going to get a lot more deep throws. You're going to get a lot of movement, improvising, and with DeAndre Hopkins, it is a, you know, it's a guaranteed catch. So yeah, instead of AJ Green, who got three catches for 78 yards last week, or rather four catches for 78 yards. So I mean. It's, it's a huge upgrade. Yeah, so I'm going to definitely base it off what you just said, that it definitely does expand the offense because with Colt McCoy, even though he is he has been 2-1, like it's kind of like simple throws, like check downs, dump offs, uh, inside run plays. It's, it's like the offense without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins is really not that crazy. It's kind of like unexpected because it's like Cliff Kingsbury, he runs an air raid, and then Colt McCoy comes in, and then it's like, what happened? So yeah, and it's not really Cliff Kingsbury's fault in my oh, no, opinion. Not not whatsoever. So uh, so now let's uh, move to the next Arizona topic. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are actually ranked number one this week. Do you like think that's accurate, and will they keep it up? I think that's accurate. I think mm-hmm. I've been saying since like week five that they're the best team in the NFC, and now I can. Uh, for sure say that they're the best team in the NFL. Like, the Packers are probably the only team that can rival them right now. And, of course, the Packers did win the game against the Cardinals earlier in the year. But I just think the Cardinals have the most deep team in the NFL right now. And no AFC team is challenging the Cardinals for that spot right now. 
and the Packers haven't really been doing well offensively in the past couple of weeks. So I just think the Cardinals just have a better overall team. Yeah, personally, I think I'm going to like disagree with you. I think that even though the Packers lost in a game-winning field goal uh, last week um, to the Vikings, I think that the Green Bay Packers are above the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that Green Bay should be number one and Cardinals should be two. And I just like the way Rodgers Rogers has been playing. Uh, without Aaron Jones, the offense has been playing fine. Uh, the defense is banged up with injuries, and they're, like, sustaining uh, different offenses. So I think Green Bay should be at the number one. It really hurts when you don't have Jairi Alexander as yeah, your corner. definitely. Instead, like, your number one corner being Kevin King. Yeah, but <laughs> here's, here's the thing, is that Eric Stokes has been very surprising. I know, like, when, he got, true. when he got drafted in the first round, it was, like, really shocking because a lot of Packers fans wanted a receiver uh, or another receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but he's been he's been playing very well, and he comes from a good school. I think he went to Georgia, I think. So um, I'm, I'm very surprised. Yeah, I'm still going to say Arizona. Okay, yeah, but different opinions are always good in these situations. So now let's move on to the second uh, best team in the NFC West, which is the L.A. Rams. So, Philip Lindsay just got released by the Houston Texans, and he is up for grabs. Uh, do you think the Rams should pick him up since they have, like, such a, like, weak running back system, or no? You know, I'm not really sure, because I don't know how Philip Lindsay is going to improve that running game. If I was going to send Philip Lindsay to anybody, or anybody in the NFC uh, West Per se, I would say he would be a better fit in Seattle. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the Rams could do it. I mean, Philip Lindsay is a talented running back. Not as good as he was with the Broncos mm -hmm. right now. But, you know, it could, be, it could be a good pickup. Yeah, so personally what I think is that they should definitely pick him up because, like, Sony Michelle, they picked him up some time ago, and he really hasn't worked out. Like, he's a good – like, he's – Turned out to be a weird run blocker and everything. And then Daryl Henderson really hasn't done the job yet. So this might be a good pickup because a very uh, Philip Lindsay is a very elusive back and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's true, but you're banking on Philip Lindsay to be the at least an average mm -hmm. running back, and he's kind of been at least the past couple of seasons a below average running back. Yeah, definitely. So, but it was that Texans offense, so yeah, you never like you, know. You can't do much and everything. They don't. They have a weird running back situation going on with uh, the Houston Texans. And personally, I think they found their running back in Rex Burkhead because of the impressive perform performance he had last week. Yeah, and they did just get rid of Mark Ingram. Yeah, so. they did. So I think Houston might have a locked in running back for a while or for a short time because Rex Burkett is old. Um, so now let's move on to the next thing for the Rams. Uh, Odell, he, got, he is officially getting his salary in Bitcoin. Like, to me, this is like 100% a crazy thing. I want I want to know like what your opinion is on this. You know, I never really gamble with Bitcoin. I think that it's it's one of those things I just stay away from because mm. uh, I don't understand it. And you know, it, it's not that I won't understand it in the future, but it kind of we've seen NFL players 
do this before. We've seen NBA players do this before, at least in recent years. Uh, Odell's really the first star to do this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it's going to be a lot of money from his base salary, but then include the Bitcoin inflation. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, like, one... One Bitcoin was like worth like fifty seven grand or something. So that's, something like that. That's a that's a pretty penny on for his yeah. salary. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of money, at, or at least what would translate into mm-hmm. real money. Yeah. So now let's move on to the final Ram topic. So uh, we just found out like not too long ago, but the Rams are uh, possibly losing a lawsuit for breach of contract after their move from St. Louis back in 2016. You know more about this topic, so, like, I... I do. I want you, like, kind of to expand on it, and... Yeah, this came in a report of the Los Angeles Times. The Rams, of course, moved, uh, from St. Louis back to L.A., uh, in 2016, Mm -hmm. and there's kind of a weird situation with their contract that they had with the city of St. Louis. And I I think the Rams were going to move back to L.A. anyway. And that's what the owner's goal was to do anyway. But what the city of St. Louis is arguing is that, hey, you had this contract that you agreed to when you moved uh, to St. Louis uh, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then you just up and leave. Of course, the NFL did permit the Rams to move from uh, St. Louis to Los Angeles as they're doing the same thing with Oakland to Las Vegas, or as they did with Oakland to Las Vegas, and what they'll do with plenty of other teams in the future. It's just, this is just a more awkward situation. I think the city of Oakland is also suing uh, Las Vegas as well. But that's a whole other situation that we don't need to get into. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of what's going on. That's kind of the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, the, yeah, very very simplistic. But like you were talking about like uh, Las Vegas and everything, and we'll mention this briefly. But do you think like when other teams like move, like for example, like uh, San Diego to Los Angeles, or like un, like another team that ha- has a chance of moving? Do you think NFL teams will, like, try to avoid this, or do you think they'll, like, face the same consequences? Well, it all depends on money. Okay. So I, the Rams, of course, were going to make more money at SoFi Stadium than they were in Los Angeles than they were going to make in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with, you know, they got lots of things going on in Los Angeles. So instead of just St. Louis, where they have to compete with the St. Louis Cardinals as uh, St. Louis is more of a baseball town than a football town, uh, and, you know, it's it's just an awkward situation. It's not really something that we can solve uh, just as fans alone watching. So it, it's, it's something to look into uh, in the L.A. Times article that you can find by just searching the L.A. Rams. Yeah, like you literally type in, like, L.A. Rams, or at least what I did, I typed in Los Angeles Rams, and every headline was just boom, boom, boom about this lawsuit. So it's, yeah. it's a pretty pretty big story and everything. So uh, that is it for the Rams news. Now we will move on to the San Francisco 49ers, who have actually had an impressive, uh, impressive like late season so far. But uh, the first thing 
that we need to talk about is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, we discussed uh, in previous podcasts that he was the running back one, but he's dealing with a finger injury currently. So how do you think it like affects this 49ers offense? Like I personally, what I think is that they they have plenty of talent uh, through the air attack, and they do have Trey Sermon who had an impressive uh, impressive game against Jacksonville. So I just want to get like your opinion. Yeah, I mean Trey Sermon like. Jacksonville Jaguars are not a good team. Yeah. It, it's so, like any running back would be good against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But I think the, like you said, the 49ers have plenty of weapons. They have Debo Samuel, who's having an impressive year. Yeah. I think they have, he's second now in receiving yards. Something like that. He's in, yeah. he's in the top two or three. And uh, they have George Kittle, who's back. Uh, of course, everyone's going to say, yeah, but Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a great quarterback. He's not going to win you games. But Debo Samuel and George Kittle are going to win you games. Oh, of course. And, uh, like, since you've been mentioning uh, Debo Samuel, did you realize in that Jacksonville game, because I was watching Red Zone and everything, so they showed, like, the super highlight plays, uh, did you see that Debo Samuel was actually getting put at running back? Like, he was motioning out from his wide receiver spot just to line up in the backfield? No, I didn't watch the 49ers games at all, oh, okay. um, so I didn't realize that, but, I mean, plenty of teams do that. Yeah, like... But, I mean, put your fastest guy at running back, it's, yeah. it's... The only thing that I would disagree on is that you don't want your star wide receiver to get hurt. Oh, yeah, of course. So I wouldn't have done it as many times as the Niners mm-hmm. did, but, you know, I'm not the coach. Yeah, uh, I think, like, during the game it only happened, like, a few times, it was like... It was on one end zone play, and then, like, they were, it was short yardage, and they're like, hey, why not? It's been working. So, yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so now, uh, the 49ers have won three out of their four games. Like I said, they kind of had, like, a very late, like, season, like, upbringing. So, do you think they still have hope for a playoff spot, like, since we did look at their schedule? how hot they have been, like, what do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, I think we were, when we were looking at the schedule before filming, uh, like, I think the only teams that they are really tough opponents are, like, the Minnesota Vikings this next week, uh, the L.A. Rams at the end of the year, uh, the Tennessee Titans towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those are three tough opponents while everybody else is, like, the Houston Texans or uh, some the Seattle Seahawks, like teams that are doing awful right now, and it's like they can win at like the go above five hundred for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and I think winning that Rams game was really important, especially if the Ram or rather the Forty ers can make the postseason. Kyle Shanahan might not be on the hot seat anymore, as we were talking about earlier this year. Yeah, per- personally, I think that they were kind of like they were really slow and they took those injuries into account because like without George Kittle and everything and like some missing defensive players, I don't remember who it was exactly, but like they didn't they didn't look the same as they did now. No. And uh, another point to bring up is that even if like they finish a little above 500, like they they still have a chance because there has been there has been some teams in the past that have like they have been nine and seven 
and still make the playoffs. Uh, for example, the Washington football team last year, they were like seven and nine, seven and nine, and they still made made the playoffs and had to face the Bucks in the first round. It's like Carolina Panthers, uh, like six or seven years ago. Oh yeah, I I also do remember that year. I forgot what the record was, but it was. It was nothing spectacular as a playoff team, right? It was and like, uh, the Seattle Seahawks in 2011. Yeah, uh, I think they went like seven, seven and nine. Seven and nine. And then well. they won the first week. So yeah, so. I think that Panthers team also won the first week. Yeah, so. so you you just like I don't like you just really never know. And especially with this expanded playoffs, like mm-hmm. any team can make it. Yeah, and like even a three and seven team can make it. Who um, knows? That's a, that, that, that's that's a little bit of a shot. But like personally, I do like like, and we're I'm getting a little off topic with this playoffs thing. But like, I do like that they expanded the playoffs because it gives more opportunities for other teams to say, "Hey, we've never won a Super Bowl before, or we only won a few. We have a chance to maybe get our first one or win another one." So. I mean, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl as a nine and seven team. Oh yeah, so I... it it's not unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now we will move on to our final NFC West team. Uh, oh God, Seattle Seahawks. They had a terrible uh, show with the Arizona Cardinals, which we both expected. But uh, disappointing news is that our one of our starting corners, Trey Brown, might one of have... their starting corners, not our starting corners. Oh, oops. Uh, yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, Trey Brown, he might have a season-ending injury. I personally am like, I'm not sad. I'm kind of devastated because, like, Trey Brown, he, he was very impressive as a rookie, and he gave you, like, all, like, he gave you an all-around good cornerback. Yeah, I would have said, I don't know if this is an overreaction or not, but he was in contention for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, possibly. And uh, just seeing him, um, I don't know exactly what it is. It might be a torn ACL injury. Yeah. and uh, During the game, it looked very strange because he just like randomly fell and A.J. Green just got a, got a jump ball. Yeah. So it's a very strange injury. Because he was falling down when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's really hard if the Seahawks have want any chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. And because they're so thin in corners. Yeah. Like Sidney Jones and whoever is going to be your corner. Yeah. Some guy named Austin, like his last name is Austin, and then you got Ugo Amadi. Like that's not a very good secondary. No, it's not. And the Seahawks have been really struggling with their corners for past four years under Ken Norton. Mm -hmm. So. It's yeah. been really tough uh, as a Seahawks fan to see them struggle this much. Yeah, and it, it and like it's also very weird to see that they do have a weak secondary because like, like at least last year he had Shaq Griffin. He wasn't the greatest, but he was a good cornerback that could keep up with certain uh, wide receivers. So yeah, he was able to run down. He had a few interceptions, mm-hmm. uh, but Trey. I'm just glad Trey Flowers is gone. Oh, thank God! Yeah, like he was. He was like. Um, I don't know. He was like that one guy that got hurtled by Dorian Thompson Robinson for the USC UCLA game that Oh yeah. Uh, we covered for Colorcast. Yes. So, so uh, we'll move on to the next topic for Seattle. Um, so uh, specifically Wilson and the Seahawks have been struggling on third down uh, 
like on the offensive side of the ball. Like what like what do you think's happening? Cuz personally with me, I'm just like shocked because it's like yes, we've had bad seasons and good seasons in the past, but it's like weird that this offense is not clicking. Yeah, and I don't know what specific I don't know specifically what it is, but Pete Carroll was talking about it in his press conference that we'll get to in a little bit that there um it, there's just nothing like you said, there's nothing clicking. Uh, I don't know if it's Russell Wilson still struggling with that finger injury mm-hmm. or if it's just the offensive line just not being that good and especially like terrible run blocking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what it is. Um, and sometimes it just seems like Russell Wilson's also over overthrowing or underthrowing as well. Yeah. Um, his receivers who are clearly open. Like I think... Um, on third down and 10, he threw a pass to, I think, DK Metcalf in the end zone. And it was just way over his head, but he was open. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Personally, this is what I think is that it's the offensive play calling. It's like, it's a very basic system. It's basically first down, you got to run the ball. Second down, you got to run the ball. Third down, you throw like some stupid bootleg play action pass i think the offense is very simplistic it's definitely not like last year where like it was more a passing game and personally i think the acquisition of the new offensive coordinator for uh seattle was a mistake and i think we should have went the other way around and this completely fired our defensive coordinator do you think um some people are saying that shane waldron the defense coordinator is making russell wilson more like jerry goff do you think that's accurate? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Because, like, in that Ram system with Jared Goff, it was... Or especially when they still had, like, Todd Gurley and everything, it was run the ball, run the ball, and then make a bootleg pass. So I think it's, like, almost identical. Yeah, it, it hasn't looked good. Yeah, so if if I, could re, if I could rewind time, I totally would. Yeah. So now with the last uh, Seahawks news... Uh, Pete Carroll, the head coach, he was frustrated at a, at the latest press conference and walks out, but he later comes back to finish. So, like, what do you think was going on? What do you think made him walk out? Like, what do you think about this whole situation? I think Pete Carroll is just expressing what every Seahawks fan is thinking, and that's frustration. Because mm-hmm. he was talking about the third down conversions just not being good, the play calling just not being good. And that's stuff that he is in charge of. Mm-hmm. It's It had nothing to do with, oh, the receivers aren't getting open, the running backs aren't playing well, the you know the defense has been bad. It's what's going on with this play calling and Pete Carroll is the head yeah. of play calling. So it it was just something that, you know, he's he's been criticized of this for the past yeah. three or four years now, uh, in his latter years with the Seahawks. And it's just, you know, sometimes you you get frustrated with that kind of criticism yeah. when you get it every single week. And it's the first time in his tenure with Seattle that he's started three and seven. Yeah. So that's basically what I think yeah so I'll add a little more I do think he's very frustrated but personally I like it's I think it's the questions he's getting asked sometimes is because you will notice like that some play some athletes and some coaches they'll get like questions they really don't want to answer and they're kind of like 
and that will like fuel them up and mm-hmm. then proceed to walk out. Like for example, 2016 Super Bowl with Cam Newton, everything. He had that ter- he had a terrible game and he was just basically getting asked like like what could he have done better? And Why he didn't you fall out. on the ball? Yeah. So, it's like I think it's like it's a little bit of that as well. Well, he did uh Pete Carroll did receive a question. I forget what the question was, and he literally told the reporter, "I don't want to answer that." Yeah, I do remember that as well. Uh, So let's move on to predictions. Uh, So we got the Arizona Cardinals are on a bye, but the L.A. Rams will be facing the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. What do you got? Uh, Since I did say that uh, Green Bay, in my opinion, is number one, I will say the Green Bay Packers take this one. It is in Lambeau, and the score is going to be 31-24. to Rodgers is very impressive all around, uh, especially from that Vikings game uh, last week. And the Rams, before this bye, were not looking too good. They faced the 49ers and Titans and got blown out in both. And they just came off of the bye. So they, like, had one one week of relaxation. And then they're, like, expected to play good against a good team. Yeah, I have a similar score. I have a little bit more scoring just because I think the Packers defense just isn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's 35 to 28. I think that Matthew Stafford's going to bounce back. I think Cooper Cup's going to light up that Packers defense. But it's Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. You know, you can't. It, it's hard to stop them. Yeah, definitely. So now we will move on to the San Francisco 49ers game. They play the. Uh, Minnesota Vikings at Minnesota. Uh, Jake, what do you have? I have. I don't have as much scoring as it was uh, for the Vikings last week against um, the Green Bay Packers, but I do have a twenty-eight to twenty-one win. So a one-score game. Uh, the Vikings are such an under-the-radar team. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook have just been really impressive on the offensive side of the ball, and nobody gives Kirk Cousins enough credit so far this year, and. I mean, those the pack or rather the Vikings defense is really underrated. Yeah, so I am gonna like kind of be a little different. I'm calling the Vikings as well, but I'm gonna say the score is thirty-five to twenty. Okay. Uh, they like both sides of the ball have been really impressive. Like Eric, uh, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith. Their secondary is pretty decent for like how like kind of like low they are and everything, and. Man, the offense is just, like, great. You got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. They're all under-the-radar guys, but, like, they just prove that they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, like, personally, since, like, Cousins kept up with Green Bay, I don't think the Niners are either. So, mm-hmm. like, I like, that's my score prediction. And finally, we got the Seahawks playing the Washington football team in Washington, I personally have the Seahawks winning 17 to 10. I think they're going to end their skid against Washington, who's just struggled, although mm-hmm. they did pull off a win in Carolina last weekend. Uh, but the Seahawks, their offense is struggling, so 17 points I feel like is doable, yeah. but I just don't think that Washington's going to have very good offense, especially mm-hmm. since it is in Washington and that field mm-hmm. is tough to play on. Yeah, uh, I'm going the exact opposite. I'm going Washington, uh, 24 to 10. I know it's a Monday night uh, primetime game, but Taylor Heineke, he's doing pretty well with like his offense. Uh, the defense is always int- intimidating. 
Um, and Seattle, like you said, is very poor all around. Like they cannot put the ball into the end zone. The third down, uh, third down percentage is very low, and uh, nobody is stepping up on the defense other than like Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. Yeah, and it's going to be really hard without Trey uh, Trey Brown too. Yeah. So that is it. You've heard the latest news, our opinion, and our predictions. So thank you to everyone who has listened to our podcast, Best of the West. See you next time.